and welcome to the Nothing But Nylon podcast with Gabe and Tyreek, where sadly we do not have any basketball to recap this episode because we had another cancellation. COVID, COVID, man, it's it's postponed a lot of games, but I mean, at least we get we'll get to make these games up later on in the season, so it's not that big of a deal. But now we gotta we gotta pull something out of the hat for this episode, though. So. Right. I told you guys last episode, because we only had one game to cover originally, we were going to have a special uh, segment this episode, and we got two now. So, because we, we had we had some time to fill up, we had to put some things on the schedule. So, the Nebraska game will happen, I think they said rescheduled probably around February 17th-ish, somewhere around the Indiana game, because we'll be at home. So, I guess look forward to that in about a month or so, a little less. But yeah, no games this week. But we do have some news. Tyreek, anything you want to start off with that sticks out to you in particular? Uh, the quote that you mentioned before was Coach Oatman saying he's not wor- worried about Justin Aarons. And my response was, that's what he's supposed to say as a head coach. That's that's what you're supposed to say, which I think is good because that's shown as a coach. You still have confidence in your guy. Um, and I also hate when coaches and players talk about you know their players or their teammates to the media. I always think that's kind of a negative thing. So it's good just to see the reinforcement from Coach Oldman saying, we're not worried about Justin. He's just in a shooting slump. He's going to get out of his zone, which I think is big, and it's big for his confidence as well. Right. I can definitely agree with that. I, I would say there's definitely two types of coaches out there. You know, you got your more like the Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay where he'll like always hold somebody accountable, always wants to say something, whether it's warranted or not really. And then, uh, I mean, you got other ones that are player friendly like this. And I think for a college coach, definitely being player friendly is the way to go. Because a lot of these guys are still kids. They're still developing. And you want to take it kind of easy. You don't want to put them on blast for the media, especially when the whole fan base is already dogging them. So I like that response. I mean, his teammates even said in press conferences that he hit one shot at the end of the IUPUI game. And they think that could be a turning point. Now, the cancellations could affect that a little bit more. It's going to be harder for him to get a rhythm with more time off. But... Definitely having your teammates support and your coaches support can help you get back on the right track. Yeah, but the cancellation can also help him, you know, just probably get his mind back right. Maybe he just needs a few days to just relax, disconnect from basketball a little bit. Because a lot of shooting slumps is really mental, you know, because your mechanics are usually perfect, especially when you're a knockdown shooter. So a lot of that's just mental. So you might just need a, a couple of days away to just refocus, regroup, and get back out there. Right. I mean, they say half of shooting is confidence, so. I I would almost say it's probably like 60-40, maybe 65-35 yeah. because a lot of it, I mean, when you're a shooter, man, your your form, like you go through your, your mechanics so much. It's just like it's second nature. Maybe sometimes it's like something that might be a little off with your shot, but most times when you get to this level, it's always like your mechanics are perfect. It's really just mental, you know, when you go into these bad shooting slumps. So as long as he just gets, keeps his mental together, man, which is a good thing. Once again, his teammates, Coach Ullman, coming to his defense. I think that's going to help him out a lot. And we might see maybe a big-time shooting game from him next time out. Yeah, I mean, even in my own play, I can tell you, I, when I think the shot's going to go in, it definitely goes in more than if I don't think it's going in. So I'm telling you, confidence is it's a lot when it comes to shooting, man. It's a lot. But, uh, I mean, speaking of Coach Holtman saying he was pro player, I think probably the same press conference, maybe a different one, but in this past week, he had a press conference where he said something that I thought was kind of interesting. He thinks that the NCAA should pay for, our, like, basically, I think all teams, players, parents, to come to road games. And I really like that. I think that shows more that, like, 
pro player mentality, supporting their families and everything and saying, it's just beyond you. Like, I want your family to do well and be able to support you, even if like you're from far away and you want to come be a part of this program. And so I, I really like that. I feel like that's a part of how he's like building this recruitment system and really making this team like a, a really nice, successful program for the future. Sounds more like a family than anything. Like, that sounds like the culture that Coach Oman is actually building. Um, I like the idea for sure. Um, it's just I wonder how, like, they'll budget that and stuff. Um, if it is the NCAA, they probably have more than enough money to to fund. But that's that's also a lot of teams. That's a lot of parents and family members. So kind of interesting, man. If If that does happen, maybe it's probably a little down the line because – you know, there's, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, now pay, players are getting paid for their name and likeness. So maybe the NCAA is like, well, you guys are getting paid now. So maybe you guys can get your family to come to games yourselves. So it's kind of a touchy situation. It's always touchy when you're trying to help the athletes out mo- monetarily. Um, the NCAA just never likes that. So it's, it's kind of weird. Right. I mean, there's definitely multiple sides to the situation. I think more on like the pro side, it's like, yeah, you got programs like ours that are probably traveling as far as like a Nebraska or something or like an Iowa going pretty far away. But then if you look at some of the smaller teams and some of the smaller conferences, like say like the MAC, most of the Ohio teams, like Ohio, Bowling Green, Kent, all them, like that's not that far of a drive. So it's like, are they really spending that much in the budget? Like having a lot of these teams and smaller conferences go to like an hour or two away. I don't think that's nearly as much as like travel for eight hours per se yeah that's a great point but it would also help because there's like guys that maybe aren't from you know ohio so like their family never gets to see them play unless they play in like a early season tournament that's closer to their home so it's, i understand the thinking for sure it would be very dope because you know everybody plays better you know historically in front of like their family like it's cool to play in front of your family and, you know, just everybody there cheering you on, especially in a road environment. I think that could bring like just a a level of comfort, you know, in a big time road game and stuff. So I love the idea. I would just be interested in execution. Right. And speaking of playing better, we got some uh, some ranking updates. Buckeyes only played one game last week, took a win and we went all the way up to 16, went up three spots. I think that's where we were two weeks ago, went down to 19, bounced back a little bit. What do you think about that? Um, it's good to see. I mean, teams in front of us obviously lost some games. There's just there's been a lot of like top ten teams losing this season, um, or being on like upset alert. It's it's been a wild year, man. Like there's not I don't think there's really a clear cut dominant team. I think last year they were like clear cut dominant teams. I think Duke and Gonzaga were like those were the squads. Like everybody knew like those were probably the two best teams in the country. They ultimately met for the national championship. This year, I'm not really sure, man. Like all the teams that are in the top 10 seem very much beatable. So I think it's interesting. Like I think Ohio State, potentially, depending on what happens next week, can easily move up into that top 10 finally. So wild season, man, for sure. Yeah, I think I definitely like the safety blanket they have more. It's like you're only like top six in the rankings, basically. Or I should say bottom six in the rankings. But I mean, like you're close to being out of it. And if you drop a game or two, you could be looking at yourself like 24 about to be out of it. Like those really like low ranks. So the fact that we go up a little bit, I think that's a big, like, just nice spot to be at for sure. Not too big to me, though, just because we're still fourth in the Big Ten. So as far as the teams that we're going to be playing a lot coming up, teams going into Big Ten tournament and stuff like that, we're, I mean, still kind of in the same spot overall. But it makes sense because we only played, uh, I mean, the just one game last week and then, or no, 
one game. We didn't even play last week, so yeah. I mean, yep. but the week before that, it was like one game. It went up, but yeah, playing so little recently, I would say that's a good spot to be. I think for Big Ten play purposes, it's going to be very important for this Ohio State team to win the games that they're supposed to win. Like we've seen, I know we're going to talk about the Purdue game coming up, but we saw Purdue drop an unranked game on the road and a game that they probably were supposed to win, they didn't win. So it's going to be important to win those games that you're supposed to win against the inferior competition. Like you don't want to blow a game against Minnesota coming up or Nebraska whenever that game gets rescheduled. It's very important to win those games and then, you know, you'll have a chance, you know, whoever you play against, whether it's Michigan State, Purdue, you know, whoever you play, you'll have a chance, man. But we've already seen a couple games that's kind of been dropped. Like the Indiana game on the road was a very bad performance. So you got to win the games that you sh- that on paper you're favored to win. Which, yeah, and I think we probably dropped a little bit after that uh, after that Indiana loss. But in- honestly, losing at Indiana ain't looking so bad because that's where Purdue just lost. And I think Indiana's still undefeated at home on the season. So that place is just impossible to play at right now. Yeah, Assembly Hall is a tough environment. I know. I don't know if you remember, Gabe. But you remember when this was like 2012, maybe 2011, 2012, when Kentucky went to Indiana and that was the Anthony Davis team. I was about to say 2012. That's and do and Christian Wofford hit that game winning three at the buzzer. Do you remember that? No, I don't. But I mean, you might be too young, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You might be too young. That was like peak Indiana. I think Victor Oladipo was on that team. Um, Cody Zeller might have been on that team. Very good team, but. Indiana's always always been a tough place to play. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you always say, Big Ten always beats up on each other. That's probably gonna be one of the catchphrases of the show at this point. But then I yeah, I told you in that in that post when Indiana lost or Indiana won that game, I'm like, you already know what I'm gonna say on the next episode. And I even noticed in that game, like Trace Jackson Davis, I think he only had like four points or something. Like they clamped him up and Indiana still went like crazy on them. So it's just like when you're a really good team like Purdue is, like you, you're always going to play against a team that you're better than, and you even clamp their best player up. But it's just like guys just start hitting shots, and guys that usually don't hit shots like that are hitting shots like that. And it, like I see it happen, like even on like pickup basketball, like you ever just go against a team that's like, like they can't match up with our squad, but. They just they're just hitting shots. They're just hitting shots, and they can't miss. It just, yeah, it happens. I mean, sometimes you just get on that court, and you're like, oh yeah, we should win. We got the better moves, better fundamentals, better chemistry, and everything. And they just come out like heavily contested shot, perfect closeout, and they just make it every time. It doesn't matter. So yeah, I mean, yeah. stuff just happens sometimes. A loss is a loss. A win's a win. But that's why we got a whole season to worry about, and it's not just one game matters for everything right now. Man, like we're. 16 games in, so like basically halfway through the season. So good time to do the midseason awards. I think it is a good time to do the midseason awards. Great, man. This is one of the special things that we had in store. Uh, this was actually the main thing that you um, previewed last week. So right. I, I think um, compared to the preseason ones we did, it's kind of like we hit on – I hit on some of them, and I definitely missed – on some of them too, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I got I got six awards here: MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player, Most Improved, Transfer, and Six Man. I was three for six on what I said preseason, so I think like fifty percent from the field. That ain't bad. You said you have six. Name those again. Most uh, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player, Most Improved, Transfer of the Year, then Six Man of the Year. Forgot Most Improved. Did we? 
Did we say most improved in? That might have been the last episode. That might have been. But I know I said most improved because I I had it in my notes. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. I got all six written down too. Um, I'm interested. I mean, I think a couple of them are pretty straightforward. Actually, like three of them might be like pretty straightforward. Like I, I don't see anybody else really having to say, but the other three are definitely you can make a case. For sure. All right. I'll I'll let you take the first stab then. Which one do you want to go over first? I think usually you build up to MVP, but it's so right. it's so obvious. EJ's the MVP. It's the same thing we said <laughs> like before the season started. We did it first then too. He's the MVP. Like his game is just it's excelled to a new level. Um he probably has an argument for most improved player like on this team. He's been that good. Has an argument for defensive player of the year. He's just been that good on both sides of the floor. He's shooting fifty percent from the field, forty from three. Uh, only 73 from the line, but that's still pretty solid for a big. Defense is out of this world, averaging almost 20 points a game. Enough said, man. He's had he's had the big-time performances, too. So he's just had a complete season so far, and I think it's only getting better. I feel like the biggest, like, the biggest complaint on his game or biggest critique was, like, his perimeter creation and, like, outside shot. And it's, like, there's stretches during these games and games as a whole where he's the best on the team in doing that. So it's, like... What else can you even say at that point? He's still good at what he's been good at and better at his critiques. Totally agree, man. It's, he's he's one of the best players in the country for a reason. I think we talk about him a lot on this show. So, you know, we, we can't say what's not already been said, man. MVP. All right. Next we'll go rookie of the year, I'm thinking. Before the season, I said Malachi Branham. I think it's straightforward, and too. <laughs> it's straightforward. It's Malachi Branham. He's pretty much the only main rookie getting minutes on this team, unless you count Michi Johnson. That's kind of a weird situation. But he's even been better than Michi Johnson. So, Which, yeah, I agree. So very straightforward, I think, especially with Michi missing time. Yeah, He has the big-time performance, too, against Nebraska. I think he's the only other player averaging double figures on the squad. So, right. I think he was Big Ten Freshman of the Week like twice or something. Right after our big COVID break, he like went mm-hmm. nuclear for a little Coming back down to earth a little bit, but still a very solid and promising rookie season that makes him look like he'll be good for years to come here. You kind of expect that from a freshman, though. You're going to have your highs, you're going to have your lows, but I think it's important that he gets the lows out of the way so when it gets to crunch time and, you know, tournament games and stuff, that he's ready for the moment, which I think he will be, man. He seems like a kid that's always ready for the big-time moments. So shout-out to him, man. I think I think he's even kind of exceeded our our expectations a little bit, man. Right, and even if he's hitting a little bit of a rookie wall right now, like the season's so long and there's so much time to go, he might be able to break that next wall down before it comes like that crunch time you were talking about. So, most definitely. Um, let's let's do transfer of the year because I think I got Jamari Wheeler. I think it's pretty evident he's yeah. been starting. He's been playing re- really good defense, leads the team in assists. He's had some very nice all around performances. Um, I was very hopeful that Cedric Russell would get a bigger role in this team. And it just hasn't been consistent enough. So I'm going to go with Jamari. I think I had Cedric before the season. But. You did. I had Jamari before this season. You had Cedric. And Cedric's had good moments. I mean, our last game, he kind of showed out. And he's had big moments for sure this season. Like the Duke game was one of his biggest moments of the year. Obviously, IUPUI. He's had a couple of like, decent stretches and where he's getting consistent minutes. But, yeah, I mean, Jamari Wheeler, what more can you say? He's like probably the most consistent guard on this team right now with I mean, Malachi started the season on the bench. Michi's been out for a little bit. A lot of guard rotations, but Jamari's been that, like, main guy that really holds down the backcourt, so. Shout out to Michi, though. Get well soon. Concussion, I believe, and you said a facial fracture? 
was the report. Yeah, they said it was a facial fracture for like a or not. They just said it was like a facial injury for a while. They didn't want to specify anything, but they said it was a concussion and facial fracture. So he'll probably be back soon in the mask once he clears concussion protocol if he hasn't already. Mask Michi. Hey, players play. Players play different in the mask. <laughs> There's been a couple that have flopped, but for the most yeah. part, it's usually. It's usually a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what award do you want to go to next? I think the next, the last three are, I think we might have some differing opinions, to be honest. Uh, Next we'll go defensive player of the year. Okay. All right. Go ahead. All right. So for this one, I got Zed Key. I didn't even think Zed Key was about to start coming into this season because the team was talking about spacing and shooting and all that. And I kind of thought that it was going to be Kyle Young that was in that spot because He's definitely one of the better shooters on the team, a fifth-year senior. And so I just thought he knew the offense, knew, like, played the right role. But Zeki, when Kyle was out to start the season, Zeki came in, played great. I think he hit a game winner in our very first game. And ever since, I mean, he's just been that guy on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like he's really our main, like, paint protector, main, like, shot blocker, rim protector. And, I mean, that's just... Usually in basketball teams, that's the guy that's your best defender. I mean, there's a reason why the most important position on defense is your center. The fact that he's been there and really taken grasp through that as a sophomore is really impressive. I hear everything that you're saying. And shout out to Zed. He's been very good. But it's it's EJ for me. (laughs) It's EJ, man. He's averaging like three blocks a game. Um, Like I said, man, he's a two-way player. Not afraid of the defensive side of the floor at all. He's been just producing on that side. Three blocks a game is just crazy. That's that's a ridiculous number, man. And I know stats don't mean everything, but if you're blocking three shots a game, I'm pretty sure you're impacting the defensive side of the floor a pretty good amount. I got to give it to him, man, slightly, because Zed has been very good on that side of the floor too. But I'm going to give it to EJ, man. He, he gets two awards for me. He gets two of them. I mean, I can definitely agree with that. EJ, I mean, he's been good on the defensive side of the ball for, I mean, as long as we can remember. Definitely a tone setter on that side, really. Probably he might be the vocal leader on that side, kind of the main guy that's the tone setter. But I just wanted to highlight Zed a little bit for the good work he's been putting in this year. I mean, we can talk all day about how great EJ's been. So I can definitely Definitely. see your point. Well, let's move on to most improved because I I got Zeki here because his minutes went up and his production has went up too. And like you mentioned, his impact has been – it's been very good on the defense side of the floor. Definitely one of the anchors of this defense that has shown at times to be very, very good this season. Has had other times where it's not been that good. But I don't think that's a product of Zed. I think that's more so like perimeter play on the defense side of the floor. Um, there was the one game against Indiana where Trace Jackson Davis kind of kind of lit up the paint area. But, you know, that's a very talented player. So it happens sometimes. But Zed's been very, very consistent on the defense side of the floor all year. And his offensive game has also been solid. I think he's averaging like nine points a game. And I think that's up like from five last year. So I'm gonna give him most improved. I think he's been very good. Yeah, I mean, regarding the regarding the Indiana performance, I mean, Terrence Mann dropped 30 on like Rudy <laughs> Gobert. I mean, it it happens, bro. It's gonna happen eventually. Definitely happens. I think, yeah, more often than not, he's been great. I also had Zed Key as my most improved. Before this season, I had Michi Johnson, and Me too. he was having a solid, decent year. Definitely improved from last year, uh, but I mean, he's missed so much time. And Zed Key, the the impact and just the overall improvement, and honestly, the surprise to me of how good he's been this season was it was unmatched by anybody else on the squad. I think with Michi, um, I think I had so high expectations for him coming into the year. Even before the injury, he just wasn't 
he wasn't bad. It was just kind of underwhelming. I think I, I put him on a pedestal that maybe he's just not ready for right now because he is he's super young still. So I hopefully he comes back from the injury and he's able to just get his rhythm back, you know, because he, he had some very good moments early on in the season. And I think moving to the bench really helped him out early on, but the injury just knocked everything off course. So hopefully he comes back, finds his rhythm, and he's able to produce for this team. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I thought he was going to be one of, like, the primary playmakers on the team, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, it takes a while to adjust to the college game. For Like, it's obviously not an easy transition, and he's dealt with injuries and all that. But I feel like with Jamari more taking that role, even EJ as a playmaker and kind of other people filling out those spots. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's no knock on him, but Zed Key's improvement, like I said, is just sure. so great. Well. The last award would be six man of the year. Um, I think you said you had somebody that was a surprise pick. So I'm assuming that this is your surprise pick. And I think I got the same guy. Who's your pick? I got Kyle Young. I also have Kyle <laughs> Young. Yeah, I got him. Um, I mean, he's have he's had the most impact off the bench, the most consistent impact too. I think he's averaging like eight and five which is very good numbers off the bench he's not getting like a ton of minutes at the same time i think he might be averaging like 20 a game if that so he's just been very consistent he's had some nice moments off the bench a team that doesn't get a lot of production off the bench he's been a a good bright spot so shout out to kyle young um we don't talk about him a ton on this podcast but i think he's got mentioned like three times today so shout out to him (laughs) he's he's definitely like one of those guys, we've had a lot of lineup changes, and he might have started like once or twice, but for the vast majority of games, I mean, it kind of ties to what we were just talking about. Zed Key has really grabbed and taken a hold of that starting spot. And so, I mean, Kyle Young, as the fifth-year guy, I mean, that's kind of a hard sacrifice to make, saying, hey, I might be in my last year here, but I'll take that bench roll and do what's best for the team. And I really like it. I mean, still averaging 9-5 and five on 55% from the field, still 37 from three, so, I mean, Still one of the best shooters on the team, really putting in good work. Um, I just, I had Justin Ahrens in this spot before this season, which obviously, regardless of how his play has been, he's been started like the whole year. Definitely. So that was a missed pick just based off lineups. But I think a lot of what I said about Ahrens was he was going to be like that kind of vocal cultural leader off the bench, be kind of that veteran presence out there. And I mean, that's pretty much what Kyle Young's been now, that fifth-year veteran off the bench that really can – Helps set a tone for a lot of those young guys that are coming off there. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I had anybody down for six man of the year because I just didn't know what the lineup was going to be. Like we didn't really get specification yeah. before the season. But you want to hear Kyle Young's per, per forty minute stats because he's only averaging just under twenty two a game, and he's averaging basically nine points, five and a half rebounds. That'd probably be like eighteen and ten almost. Per per forty, it is sixteen points, ten rebounds, a steal, two assists a block a game, and he's shooting like 55 from the field, 37 from three. That's crazy numbers. I mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously per 40, like that's going to be pretty. I mean, you don't expect him to play 40 in a yeah. game, but even if he was getting like thir- or like probably like 30s, that's still really good stats. Yeah, if he was getting 30s, he would probably be second leading scorer on this team. Impressive, man. Shout out to him. Like you said, fifth-year senior, seniors kept accepting that new role. You love to see it, man. You love to see it. But, yeah, then, uh, I mean, unlisted, we got Coach of the Year Chris Holtman, of course, running for the sure. show. We were just talking about him earlier in the episode. So pro player, definitely a guy people want to play for. And 
just congrats to him on continuing to build a great program here. Hoping this is like the most successful year he's had so far. And I think um, it's an impressive coaching job because I don't think the expectations were super high for this team coming into the season. And there were a lot of question marks, and I think we got most of them answered. So a lot of times I like to give credit to the head coach when he can take a team that on paper maybe shouldn't be as successful as they are. But, I mean, 12-4 and four right now, fourth in the Big Ten, which is a tough conference like we always say. I think that's pretty impressive, man. Well-deserving. I mean, yeah, Ohio State was ranked number 17 preseason. We're 16 right now. So, I mean, just doing what he's asked of him and just a bit more as of now. Didn't we – I don't know if we've ever dropped out of the rankings this season. But we were close. <laughs> uh, I think we dropped a little early because our first couple wins were like really close against teams that weren't that good. And then we lost to Xavier. I want to say we dropped out of the. Rankings I feel like after the Xavier point. loss, we might have like dropped out, but then we went to Florida. Yeah, and like and we, then quickly, we came back up. Quickly got back in. I'm about to check because I remember the early part of the season was kind of weird. Which we split games in Florida too, which is crazy because I mean. We're twelve and four right now, and I mean, two of those losses were so early because those Florida games were literally in our, like our first five or six. Exactly. So I think, yeah, it says here we did drop. Hold up. Yeah, we did drop out of the rankings. Week three, we were not ranked because Xavier yeah. moved up, and that, I mean, they probably count like the Akron game as a loss because that game shouldn't have been as close as it was. Yeah, we did drop out this week, so. Yeah, the, the climb back has been very impressive, too. Um, team faced adversity and didn't fold, only got better as the seasons went on. So Coach Holman, he's doing a, a heck of a job this season with this team, man, for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely I think the Duke win was the main thing that spurred, like, our climb back up. But maintaining that since then has been it's been good. Fell off a little bit recently, but with so many cancellations and playing and then not playing, I mean, I think it's understandable. Injuries, too. Like, we didn't even mention Justin Suen. Like, we thought he was going to be, like, defensive player of the year and stuff. Yeah, there was just a report <laughs> out that was, like, he's kind of closer to the return. But they said he might even come back for, like, a sixth year because they said he might not be back to full strength this season. Which, at this point, Dang. I can definitely believe. But I'm happy the team's playing well. But I feel like one of those forward spots is probably somewhere where we could, like, use another guy. Yeah, I mean, you can never really have too much front court depth. That's one thing, that's for sure. Because you never know, like, foul trouble can happen in a tournament game, and then, like, you don't have anybody to replace, you know, that production. So, hopefully he can get back. But that's that's unfortunate, though, for sure, because we thought he was going to be a big, big piece to this team. And we've yeah. only seen him for, like, two games, I think. Yeah, and especially at that spot, I mean, right now, I don't want to dog it any more than it already has been, but... The guy we got starting at small forward, we could probably use justice right now. Yeah. Orange, I mean, he's just he has not been playing great recently. And it's, know, not, it's not that. It's just it's nice to have versatility too. And yeah, justice obviously is gonna be a better defender and kind yeah. of even if his shot wasn't falling either, like he'd bring him more on the other end of the floor. I'm telling you, Eugene Brown. He's next up. Eugene Brown could be nice. I mean, our last IUPUI game, he I mean, he started the second half, and, I mean, it looked really good. So Yeah, I don't think we mentioned last episode. I know we're kind of rambling before we get into the next topic, but I think, like, IUPUI only scored, like, 13 points in the second half. That's crazy. Something low. We, we clamped up. I don't care if you're playing against fifth graders. That's crazy. Yeah. In a 20-minute in a half of basketball to only give up 13 points, and I'm not sure what the shooting percentages were or, like, how many free throws they took. That's ridiculous, man. Yeah, I mean, good guys coming up. But with that said, 
I'm going to let you introduce our last topic because it was your idea. All right. I, I've thought of this idea for times like this when we don't have a lot of games or any games to talk about. We're going to do a fantasy draft between the two of us. We're going to draft our starting fives of all time, Ohio State Buckeye basketball players. So since it's my idea, I'm going to give you the first pick, Gabe. In this fantasy draft, we're just going to go back and forth. So you pick, I pick, then you pick again. So go ahead, get us started, man. You're on the clock. Who is your first pick? All right, so I think I got to take this one right off the bat because I feel like it's going to get taken if I don't. I'm going to take Jerry Lucas, which there's been a lot of great players. Jerry Lucas, I got some bias. He can, he went to my high school, so kind of some hometown, hometown hero right there almost. But then also, I mean, big man, I think with like historically this team, there's a lot more guards, I think, in the top of the pool than front court players. So I want to take him. And then whether he's playing my four or my five, I feel like he's he can stretch the floor, which is crazy for how long ago he played. But his floor spacing, I think, is nice in a big man, especially if we're talking a starting five to draft in a modern basketball sense. And for fit, I'm give me Jerry Lucas. I respect that pick. I mean, the list that we're looking at, he's ranked number one all time. So can't really argue against that. And he won a championship with the Knicks. So. He won a championship with the Knicks. That's that's all that needs to be said, man. I think that's a good pick. My pick, I've talked about this guy several times on the podcast, man. Somebody that helped me actually like love college basketball, Evan Turner. Evan Turner is my first pick. Can play the he can play the point. He can score the ball for you. He does everything. Clutch, clutch is all can be, man. Evan Turner was that guy in college. He had one of the best seasons that I've seen in modern college basketball, and he. Ended up being the number two pick. His NBA career didn't really pan out. But in college, he was that guy. So if we're basing it off of college, I'm going with Evan Turner with my first pick. Okay. All right. Well, for my second pick, I'm about to look like such an old head for this. But floor <laughs> spacing and great play. I'm going to have to take John Havlicek next. If you're not taking him, I can't let him stay there. I feel like he's probably the best wing in this pool. I mean – what can you say? Hall of Famer? What, like eight-time champion? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, kind of after Bill Russell left the Celtics, he was the next guy kind of carrying that load and leading them to some stuff. So, I mean, all-time great. You can't – I mean, you're a Celtics fan. Yeah. I, I don't think you can disrespect that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he just passed away, like, within the last year or two. Yeah, very recently. Yeah, rest in peace, man. Legend for sure. I think he's, like, number three all-time in, like, points for the Celtics. And he has some big-time moments – back in those championship runs. Good pick, man. You took the top two people off the board from this list. Yeah, I, th- I think he's kind of an underrated legend, man. You think of Celtics, you think Bill Russell, then you think Larry Bird, but I think Havlicek is kind of that bridge in the middle. Yeah, I think even, like, people will probably bring up, like, Paul Pierce before they get to John Havlicek, like, honestly. So, very good pick, very underrated pick, too, man. Um, with my second pick, I'm thinking about building around Evan Turner. So, I need some, I need some guys that are just defensively intact. So with that being said, I'm going with the big man, Greg Oden. Um, We know his NBA career was not it. We know injuries plagued his career. But in college, college, he was dominant. College, he was dominant. Um, Team reached the Final Four with him, Mike Conley, Costa Kufus on that squad. I think John Diebler was on that squad. And Greg Oden was the anchor. Ended up being the number one pick for a reason, even over Kevin Durant. I think him paired with Evan Turner – that's the defensive present that I need in my paint, so I'm going with Gio with my second pick. 
Hey, I mean, I yeah, Greg Oden, he got drafted over Kevin Durant. You got to be something special. For, I mean. And I don't think it was really like, it was a little bit of a debate back then, but it wasn't like crazy. Like everybody knew like Greg Oden was probably, like, he was generational. It's just injuries. Really yeah, he played was dominant and he, he was a good player even when he got to the league. It's not like he was a bust or anything. He exactly. just had bad knees. But if we're talking college player, he's him. Greg Oden is that guy. <laughs> Facts, man. No, like no like big knee problems yet. So I think if he played more than just one year at, at O State, he would probably be like one of the best. Like he would probably be near the top of this list for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think he probably have like some of the scoring records and probably rebounding records for Block sure. Block records, all that. Yeah. All right. Well, my third pick. So I'm thinking I got Lucas and Havlicek next. I need a guy that's going to be able to facilitate and run my offense. So I, I'm definitely I'm definitely taking the offensive team. I feel like you're more the defensive guy right here, but I'm about to take Mike Conley next. Surprise! I did, I thought I thought she's going to go with another guard, but okay, that's a good pick. That's a very good pick. Nah, I mean, there's definitely plenty of guards in the pool. I'm just taking Mike Conley because, I mean, whether you're talking about specifically like them in college or just looking at their body of work in basketball as a whole I think you can definitely come up with different lists here but just the player that I know Mike Conley to be in my time watching basketball he just is one of those guys that makes the right play like he can get you a bucket if you need it especially in his prime years but then even still and even as an aging player now and at plenty of times I mean he was the point guard of a great Ohio State team ran that offense so I mean yeah he's just the guy that's going to make the right play find the right guy and for me, building a team around spacing right now, that's my point guard. That's a great pick. And he's, like, the most likable dude. Like, NBA players will tell you, like, Mike Conley's just the nicest guy. I don't think he's ever got a technical foul in his NBA career. I think one of his teammates says something like, bro, I don't know how this guy is seen as one of the most nice guys. Like, he talks a bunch of trash to him. I can't remember <laughs> who that was. I, I don't remember. I remember listening to, like, J.J. Reddick's podcast. And, like, I think J.J. Reddick brought that up. But consensus is, like, this is, like, the nicest dude in basketball, man. So, great pick. Just, I think, all around just, like, very, very solid point guard. He does everything at a good level. So, definitely the dude that you want to run your offense if you're not picking, like, a superstar type guy. I think he's, like, the next best option for sure. Great pick. Um, This is where it gets tough. All right. I'm, I need some shooting for sure because – Greg Oden, obviously not a floor spacer. Evan Turner, not 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 a jump shooter, really. So I need somebody that can knock down shots. I'm gonna go with Michael Red. Yeah. With my next pick. Yeah. If there are young guys listening to this, man, y'all just don't know. Mike, like Michael Red was that guy, man. Like remember, I don't remember, but I know him and Ray Allen played together in Milwaukee, and they were just a deadly duo that was just sharpshooters, man. Trivia question: What year was Michael Red an All Star? Who is it only one year? One time all star. Hmm. I feel like because when I started watching basketball, he was starting to fall off. I want to say it's like 2006. No, I actually I had to double check this, but I was correct. It was 2004. I wanted to say 2004, but I felt like I picture him like in a 2006 all-star game for some reason. That makes sense because I think he probably averaged like 26 a game that year. I feel like he was in that picture with like prime KG, Vince Carter, all of them. And like yep. back when they all wore their own jerseys in the all-star games, that's what I think of. 
And he was like, he was probably like, looked like the odd man out, but Michael Red was that guy. He was that guy in that Ohio State. He was also that guy. So I need some shooting next to Evan Turner. I'm picking Michael Red with my third guy. He's my third pick. Good pick, though. Good pick. Uh, my next one. This might this might be a little bit of a little bit of an odd pick here, but I'm taking a forward. I'm gonna take a guy that I know you really like. I already know you're about to pick. <laughs> I'm about to take Jared Solinger. Okay. I just think. I've got a couple pieces that fit good together. Uh, now it's just, I mean, he was a guy that led a team on a pretty deep run. I like a guy that can take over at different times. So if one of the other guys is kind of struggling a little bit, I feel like I got a really nice big three right there. But Jared Solinger could be that guy where no matter what's happening, whoever's cold, he can just kind of come out and carry you for a game. Mm-hmm. That was going to be my next pick. Like I'm mad that you took him. That's gonna be my next pick, cause he can he can stretch the floor a little bit too. So with that being said, this is this is probably the only modern guy that's gonna get picked. I'm going with EJ. I think he fits. Dang. I, I think he fits my team. The he can stretch the floor now. Forty percent three point shooter. Defensively, him and Greg Oden. That's gonna be a nasty duo. Um, I really wanted to go with Clark Kellogg, but I just. His age of basketball, he wasn't asked to stretch the floor unless it was just like 18 feet maybe. I need EJ, man. I think EJ will be very vital to this team. And he's he's a team player. He's a team player too, so he won't be mad if Evan Turner's cooking. You know, he's just going to do whatever it takes to win. Selfless guy. I'm going to take him with my fourth pick. So, yeah. See, I was, I was going to take EJ next, bro. I was, I was going <laughs> to take EJ because I don't know. I was like, okay. I already got, like, Lucas and Solinger at the forward spots, but I, I was like, both EJ and Solinger can spread, like, they can space the floor enough to kind of make it work, make it work, especially with Jerry Lucas as a good shooter. But, man, if you took him, I think I'm going to have to go with... I'm stuck between two right here. I'm stuck between two. They were both playing my shooting guard. So I got Conley, Havlicek, I'll play him at the three. At then Solinger and uh, Jerry Lucas. So I think I'm going to take the odd pick here. I think I'm going to have to take Jim Jackson. That's a good, I'm gonna, that's I'm gonna a take, very good pick. I'm going to take Jim Jackson. Uh, I was, I'm stu- the two players I was stuck between was him and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I mean, people might not know about Jim Jackson, kind of an old player, kind of a guy I only know from 2K, really. But... I mean, if you look at his career stats, I mean, career high, 25 points per game. My Like, that shooting guard spot, I got a guy to run the offense. I got a couple guys that can kind of do a little bit around the wings, base the floor, a little kind of all-around players, glue guys. But give me just that bucket. That guy that can be a bucket, that, like, second guard, that Clay Thompson of the team that doesn't have to always be the number one option. But he can mm-hmm. he can, he can, can put the ball in the bucket. So That's that's a very good pick, man. I I wanted to have him over um over Michael Red, but I feel like Michael Red is such a good shooter. He doesn't really need the ball. And Evan Turner's kind of ball dominant. So that's why I didn't pick Jim Jackson. So that's an that's an amazing pick. And that's a good value pick for your last starter. That's very good. Do you want to do six, a six man too? I think we can do a six man just to we round can, it we out. We can do we can do a six man. Yeah. A full team would be fun, but we don't have that much time, man. But all right, my last starter. Um, I just need somebody that's just 
super selfless, man. A winner. Somebody that's just gritty, willing to do the dirty work on the defensive side of the floor. Can run the offense if maybe Evan Turner's not having a good night. Or maybe Evan Turner gets in foul trouble. Yeah, I like this pick, man. Great value pick. I'm taking Aaron Kraft. Seems like he was in Columbus. Dang. Seems like he was in Columbus for years, man. But he's he's a winner. Some of Ohio State's best teams with were with him on the roster. I was about to take him as my sixth man as soon as you said that. <laughs> hey, Dang. super, super elite defensive player, man. Makes a lot of clutch plays, too. Um, and I think he will fit onto this team perfectly. Doesn't need the ball on the offensive side of the floor. Kind of like a souped-up Patrick Beverly on the college level. That's that's what I'll compare him to, man. He's going to do all the dirty work. He can, re- he can you know, get in there and get some rebounds if he needs to. He's going to get some steals. He has amazing hands on the defensive side of the floor. And offensively, every now and then he can have a big night. He can have a big night. But on this team, he won't need to, man, because we have legit three offensive options that c- can average 20 points a game. We got Greg Oden who can have a big offensive night. So he's just like, I just got to play my role. I love that. Great value pick. You got a lot of those. You were kind of stealing those right under my nose because I was gonna take like I was gonna take EJ for that reason. I was like, okay, he's that guy that just does whatever the team asks, plays like plays defense, goes out and scores, even playmakes, rebounds, protects the paint, like just whatever. So I was like, that's the perfect glue guy to have on the team. But now that we're on a six man. I already know who you're about you to You left the perfect six-man option. When I you know. think six-man, <laughs> it's that guy that might not play a lot of defense, but he's going to come out, be a microwave, be a spark plug. And this is a guy, he's a starter in the NBA, but he, like, I feel like he just encapsulates that role. I'm taking D'Angelo Russell. Great player. Yeah. I mean, he got himself to the second overall pick in college. So if you say just based on college, I mean, clearly he was one of the most highly touted players we've had ever. At the end, still just great player now looking at his whole body of work. He's been an all-star in the league, done a lot of great things, been a couple different places to get experience. And so definitely, I mean, whether it worked great or not, I mean, he had a little bit of experience playing with, like, Steph Curry for about five games. He's played with, uh, I mean, he's played with Cat, so he's played with the stretch big like Jerry Lucas. So he could kind of run that kind of offense. That's the benefit of having the first pick in this draft. <laughs> like, you stole a lot of guys I wanted though, for sure. I took I feel like I took some guys early though. Like I think picking Evan Turner first is just that's how I had to round my team out. Like I right. couldn't like Jim Jackson, I think Jim Jackson's better than Michael Red, but I just don't think Jim Jackson fits alongside Evan Turner like that. And then like I could have took D'Angelo Russell over Aaron Kraft, but ah, uh, kind of needs the ball a little bit. That's a very right. good team. So all of mine has a, a lot of spacing besides a little bit of Jared Solinger, but you can you can get away with one guy not being the greatest spacer in the world. I, I think Solinger, he's a better spacer than he got credit for. Like he can he can he's respectable. It's not like they're just gonna right. leave Jared Solinger yeah. wide open. So and then he was just like you can play inside out too. So very good. Um, this I'm gonna take Clark Kellogg here, man. Um, he's the best player left on the board from what I see. Um, I could go with some other guys like William Buford's like the I think he's like number one in Ohio State history in points scored. Like he's up there. And he's not even on this list that we're looking at, but he's underrated. Um Deshaun Thomas was another bucket. But I'm gonna go with Clark Kellogg, man. I think he can bring a little bit of everything off that bench from the forward spot. And I think we need a little more depth at that position, man, because I think we got multiple guys that you can run the offense through, but we don't really have 
that grit and that depth at the big man spot. So I think Clark Kellogg will fit in nicely. And he's a 2K legend, man. He's been like on the commentating team for 2K for years. So we got a guy that's vocal. He's a leader. He knows his stuff. Love that pick, man. Shout out to Clark. Bro, I knew like literally, I knew Clark Kellogg as, as a, a commentator <laughs> before I even knew he went to Ohio State. So Which, it's like. It's crazy because he was a really good player in college and he was actually pretty decent in the league too. So it's like, but kids, our, our generation knows him. For Clark Kellogg right. from 2K Network. I mean, he was he was on Ohio State from 79 to 82, so it's like... Before time. Dude, my parents were in grade school. Like, you got to take it easy on me with that. And I think he played... I think it said he played only for the Pacers in the league, and it was before Reggie Miller. Or maybe it was like... His tail end was like early Reggie Miller, so it's right. like everybody that knows basketball from our generation, when we look at those Pacer teams, it's just like, we know Reggie Miller. We don't really know Clark Kellogg at all, but he was... He was that guy, man, for sure. Yeah, all right. Well, I guess with that said, uh read off hold on, let's read off our teams. Yeah. Just so look, if you guys leave if you guys can leave a review on the episode mm-hmm. and say who has the best team and we'll go through it, we really appreciate it. We might shout you on the next episode. I was gonna say let us know. Let us know who you think has the better one. Definitely. You wanna go first, since you had the first pick? Yeah, so starting at point guard, I got Michael Conley Jr. Guy that's going to run my offense, space the floor, always make the right play. Good team leader. Uh, next, I got Jim Jackson, a guy who can get you a bucket, put the ball in the basket. Not a second guy to have as your second guard. Uh, then third at my three spot, I got John Havlicek, absolute legend. Going to space the floor. I think play the wing spot as good as anybody. Uh, at the four, I got Jared Solinger, guy with the potential to take over, a guy that's led Ohio State teams before. Uh, so, I mean, a guy you can always trust, uh, I mean, if you're building something around this program. And then fifth, I got Jerry Lucas, probably widely regarded as probably the best player Ohio State's had. Hall of Famer, my hometown hero pick. Um, and then as my sixth man, I got D'Angelo Russell. So, spark plug off the bench, perfect encapsulating six-man role. So, yeah, I mean, just good spacing team, team that I think fits together that I tried to draft just based off of interchangeability. Any guy can go off on any night, and any guy can play together without the fit being awkward. I like your team a lot. I've, hopefully it doesn't go over people's heads because you got some old old school players on the team and John Havlicek and Jerry Lucas. Right. But I think, like, the fit, like, that's that's five out. That's five out offense, man. Yeah. And that's going to get plenty of, like, uh, room for, like, Jim Jackson to work, Mike Conley to get to the bucket. Very, very good team, man. Very good team. And then D'Lo off the bench. That's a hey, yeah. I'm running. I'm running pick and pops with Lucas. Might have Solinger in the dunker spot or something. Yeah, they can run a lot of things. Solinger will really be like the. It might be like four round one because him on the post, it's pretty deadly, man. That's a good team. That's a very good team. Uh, okay, I'll give mine uh, at point guard, kind of interchange. Like I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have Evan Turner running the offense, but for purposes, I have Aaron Kraft as the point guard. Two, I got Evan Turner. Um, we know what E.T. brings to the table, man. One of the best seasons in Ohio State history, in my opinion. A lot of cl- clutch moments. He was that guy. Player of the year in the country. Enough said. At the three spot, I got Michael Red. He's he's the shooter, man. He's he's going to be the knockdown shooter. Again, a lot of easy looks from Evan Turner, from Aaron Kraft. And whenever, you know, E.J. Lydell, who's running my four, gets double team, Michael Red is going to be right there. And you can also run some offense through him, too. And at the four, I got EJ. Um, 
maybe a little bit of a, a reach, but I think he fits this team perfectly. And I, he's going he's going to go down as one of the best Buckeyes ever, I think, uh, especially after this season. And he can do a little bit of, of everything. He's unselfish, even if it's not his night offensively to get the bulk of the shots. He won't matter as long as we're winning games. And then at the five spot, uh, I love this pick, man. Greg Oden, the defensive anchor. Him and EJ is going to be a nasty defensive duo at the post positions. And Gio, you know, every now and then you can give him the ball. He can drop step and dunk on somebody. He was just that dude, man. So I had to have him at my five. And then the sixth man, like I mentioned, just needed some big man depth. And Clark Kellogg was the best player left on the board. Um, I would have had him starting, but I just think EJ fits alongside Greg Oden a little better. But, you know, we can run Clark at some small ball five. Him and EJ can go to work. Very, I think this seems very versatile, man. We got the defense. We got the shooting in Michael Red. EJ can sh- shoot the ball. Uh, Evan Turner can hit the three. Aaron Kraft can hit the three. Greg Owens really the only dude that's, you know, not stepping outside. But I think we got a nice little versatile six-man unit right here, man. You do got a nice team. I think you got a lot of gritty guys on there for sure. The only thing that really surprised me was, uh, like, having Michael Red at the three and then Turner at the two. I mean, Turner's only he's only one inch taller at six seven, but I feel like guarding forwards, I mean, Evan Turner's got that wingspan. Like, I mean, yeah, but I, I don't think Michael Red was a bad defender. Um, and it, it depends on matchups. Like, if we're going against your team, I might have Evan Turner. I might want Evan Turner to guard um, Jim Jackson. And now I'll just have Michael Red guard Havlicek. You know, I think those are good matchups. And then, obviously, we've got Kraft. Kraft can go ahead, go ahead up with Mike Conley. I think the big spots is where it gets kind of interesting. I ain't going to lie. Like, I'll, I might have I might have Geo guard Sullinger. And then I'll have EJ guard Jerry Lucas because EJ is a little more versatile on on the defense side of the floor. And Greg Oden, Jerry Sullinger is going to have a handful trying to score on Greg Oden. I was about to say, if you, if you have Oden on Lucas, he's going to be out of the paint. My guys are slashing all day. I exactly. So you you would probably have to play him on Sullinger. Or we could run zone. I mean, if we really had to, we could run zone. I think this thing would be deadly in the zone because we got the size. You know, we got, I mean, everybody except for Kraft. I think Kraft was six four, but everybody else is six six and above. So versatile team, man. I don't know. This is a good matchup because I do like your squad a lot. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I'm, I definitely had that first pick advantage, but like I said, you definitely took guys I wanted. Like I wanted EJ. I was gonna take Aaron Kraft as my backup guard. I really thought I thought you was gonna take Evan Turner off the board first. I really did think he was. I he's just not enough of a shooter for me. I really needed a guy that you could base your team around that can space the floor and doesn't make it an awkward fit with other people. Understand. The only reason I wanted him first, because like in college, he's like a a low, a lower level like LeBron type of dude. Like right. he can score the ball, but his best ability was probably his playmaking ability. So the team I think the team I put around him, he's gonna make everybody else so much better. Like Greg Oden's gonna get so many easy dunks just from playing with Evan Turner. I definitely think it's uh I mean good having I do have a lot of team leaders, I would say, which is why I like having Mike Conley as my guard because he wasn't really, like, the number one guy when he was here. So, because, uh, I mean, Lucas was his number one, Havlicek, and a lot of them. So, I mean, Russell, obviously, Jared. So, yeah, having Conley running my offense, kind of calming everybody down, I, l- I like having him there a lot. That's, I think, our point guard matchup, like, that's that's probably, like, the toughest one because it's, like, Who's like on the college level? Like who's better? I'm not sure. Because Aaron Kraft was just as good of, of a leader. They do a lot of the same things. Like very good. Like defense, leadership, playmaking ability. 
that's that's a heck of a matchup, man. Like that's a toss up in my eyes. But everything else is just kind of like kind of toss up too. Like you probably got my team in some areas. Like obviously the stretchability of your team's a lot better. But I think like the defense of my team is probably a little bit better. Hey, don't forget Mike Conley was on that grit and grind Grizzlies. He was. That's what I'm saying. His defense was was and still is like that. Mike Conley's that guy. I don't know. It's a good match. We're gonna have to let the listeners of the podcast decide because of course I'm rocking with my squad, but I want to hear what other people think. All right, well, that was our draft. Uh, just to do a real quick preview, because I know we ran a long time today. Uh, this week we got two games. We play Minnesota on Thursday. And then on Sunday, we got the big matchup against Purdue. So already talked a lot about Purdue this episode. I feel like talking about their uh, their experience with Indiana. But Purdue, just a team that's great on offense. So we're going to have to really lock in on defense, especially, and hit all of our shots because you got to hit your shots if you're going to beat them. Because even as good a defense as we're going to play, they're going to they're gonna hit their shots a lot. So. Definitely. I mean, it's going to be a tough game, tough road game in the Big Ten. Um, it's going to take a lot for Ohio State to win this game, but if they are able to pull this off, this can be a big-time confidence booster going into the rest of the season. Right. Um, guys are going to have to step up, though. It can't just be EJ. We're going to have to see big games from Malachi and others. So. Right. We'll see how it goes, man, but it's going to be a tough one for sure. And we did be number one already, but don't forget that was at home. So, yeah, on the road, it's going to be hard to beat Purdue. And then uh, other game this week, Minnesota, probably looking a little easier on the schedule, but they did only lose to Michigan State by about two points like uh, maybe a week ago. So a team that you can't like look over. I think they have a winning record on the season, but losing record in the Big Ten. So... Definitely a quality team, just our conference is so good, they might not be looked at for as good as they are. Yeah, and like we said earlier in the episode, win the games that you're supposed to win. This is a game that on paper you're probably favored to win, you should win, you're more talented in this team. But don't overlook Minnesota thinking about Purdue. That's all I'm going to say. Take care yeah. of business. Always, always look at who's in front of you. Don't play down to competition and be ready for anybody because even if you're not hungry to be Minnesota, Minnesota seeing 16 and saying they're hungry to beat you. So Good game for guys like Justin Malachi to get back you know, on track because they've been a little struggling lately, especially Justin. So this is a good game for them to get their rhythm back and then going into the big game on Sunday could be a huge confidence booster. Yeah, with, no, with the Nebraska game being canceled, this is one we're going to need. So with that said, anything else, Tyreek? Nah, man. I mean, fun episode. I had a lot of fun with this one. We definitely ran – a lot longer than we usually do, but I think it's all good because I think this was a very quality podcast episode, Gabe. I think this is, if, if you're here right now, this, I think this has been an entertaining listen. So Definitely. thanks thanks for sticking with us this long. And this has been Nothing But Nylon coming at you every time. Peace.